guys. Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. We have a fun episode for you guys today. We've got some project updates. We've got some news. Um, I bought a new lawnmower, <laughs> which is That's what we talk about here on this podcast. Yeah, I've been living this old lawnmower around for yeah, at you, least you six, seven Yeah, you mentioned trying to sell it. And it had a bad battery or like a kept I going almost, batteries. Like I said, I almost set it on fire in the driveway <laughs> just because I was sick <laughs> of all the, the people. Spirit. What I would have done is set it on fire in the driveway, filmed it, and then sent the video to every single person <laughs> that had lowballed me, asked me if I would take payments or if I would take $50. Uh-huh. All those people, I just would have sent them be like, here you go. Come pick it up. It's now free. <laughs> anyway, so we sold the lawnmower. Some guy came, picked it up, said, yep, looks great, and then took it away, you nice. know, which is what should have happened in the first place. Right. But anyway, so this things are, my point is that things are at a little bit of a low. <laughs> okay. Right, we're at a little bit of a low. Parked in the spot where my car normally is, uh-huh. is a lawnmower, which is the nicest wheels I have. That's not my daily <laughs> So is. did you buy a new lawnmower? That's no, used. Okay. It's a used lawnmower. But you have this super fancy John Deere zero turn wide deck guy. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man. No, it was used. It's, it's nothing crazy, but it's just, it sucks seeing it parked where my car goes. That's you the know, new driving hot rod. Like, That's ah, the new hot rod. I'm excited about this one. It's on what it. I have to be excited about. <laughs> But in the meantime, while the car's been, uh, uh, I wouldn't say it's languishing at the body shop. I mean, they are working on it. One of the doors is now completely primered, which is great. The other one is uh, not done, but seeing progress from what I could see from some pictures. And are you just thinking like every minute an hour that ticks by is like more money just falling out of yeah, your pocket? Yeah, when they told me it was going to be another week on one door, my wallet started on fire in my pocket immediately. I'm like, ah, it's hot. It's like, so what did you do? You obviously went out and spent more money on the car and bought carburetors. I did, which everybody knows who bought carburetors for a car. And then I started looking at them and they are, they were, they had been sitting a while. Sure. So, I so took, they should be rebuilt regardless. Uh, they didn't need to be rebuilt necessarily, okay. I don't think. I didn't rebuild them, but I did take them apart, and I bought new jets, uh, new... Um, Venturis. Venturis, new everything. Yep. So I got all new jets for the idles, for the mains, uh, the new emulsion tubes, all the stuff that you need to make it for my motor. And Richard over at PMO, which is the name of the carburetor company that makes the carburetors for this car, um, helped me out quite a bit. He's like, oh, you've got this motor. You know, he's really experienced with these things. He said, you need this, you need this, blah, blah, blah. So That's he's really, really, cool. really helpful. Um, really, really expensive. <laughs> I, I, I said, I need all these things. And he said, what's your credit card number? I said, here it is. He says, <laughs> and he goes, okay. And then he hung up the phone. And he sent me a receipt, and I'm like, oh, sh- wow. This is, oh, man, this is, this is not good. Because he originally offered, he's like, hey, if you want to send me any of the parts you have back, uh-huh. I'll give you credit towards the new stuff. Hey, there you go. Really cool. I'm like, ah, I like to keep things. Now I'm like, <laughs> in my head, I'm like, oh, my God. Well, I could get How rid much? of these things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I got 38 millimeter Venturis instead of 42, which is huge. Yeah. It's a huge difference. Yeah. And uh, so that's going to speed up the airflow. I went into from the 27 to 30. You have 30. So you have 30. I have 42 or I have 38. So that's yeah. eight mil. So they were 12 millimeters bigger <laughs> wow. than what you have, which is, which is massive. And yeah. you have 40 millimeter carburetors, right? The carburetors are yeah, yep, 40s. Yep. And then I have uh, 46s. Gotcha. So everything I've got is a little bit bigger than, than you. <laughs> Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so anyway, so the carburetors are all clean. They're all really, really nice. The okay. only thing I don't like about them is the rain hats. 
What? We went back and forth over Instagram about this. Yeah, because you're wrong. So then, of course, I have to argue with you about it. The rain hats are, are hideous. Okay, so you have the way that it works is that the PMOs are a mix of an IDF and an IDA carburetor, both Weber's. It kind of takes the both both best of both worlds okay. and puts them together. And so neither there's no book for these, by the way. So you kind of have to like, <laughs> it's it's not exact science. Anyway, no. so I... Uh, they, they stick up vertical, right? So yep. the velocity stacks stick out the straight, straight out of the top of the car. Yep. It's got three on each and side. And then you have the little K&N air filter that goes on top of that. Well, typically what it would be in a factory setup is you'd have like an air box right. that bolts the top like your car had when you got it. There's right. like an air box that it's comes. It's ugly. It, and so you remove it. You, typically, yes. And it's restrictive. So you remove it. It's not. What's restrictive on them is the snorkels. The way that this is it comes together is you have, um, if you're looking into the engine compartment, you've got three basically into take tubes sticking up on and then there's side. an air box that goes on each side that connects in the middle. And then there's a cone filter with like a, it almost looks like the snout of an elephant coming off. It of is. It, right? Yeah. For it's like sure. a snorkel. And the snorkel is extremely, extremely restrictive. So you have all, all that air going in and then it comes in at like a, <laughs> a teeny little, a like teeny little inch hole, and a right? half inch hole. So what you, what you do is you to get rid of that snorkel and you put like a, you put a cone filter in there and that's it. And that's like a rally filter style. Yep. Which is super, you know, Super good if you're going out in the dust, if you're going right. out yeah, in you the rain, if you're going out in any inclement weather or conditions, right. that's kind of the ideal setup to have. So I thought, well, maybe I could do that. Maybe I could, you know, dial that in. But no, I can't because the the PMO uh, intake manifolds are oh, significantly tall. taller than uh, a factory like Weber um, intake manifold. So I can't can't do that. So because okay. I was I, like, I have one for you. Yeah, it's worth a try maybe, but everything, I saw one guy that he's like, yeah, I had to modify this, that, and the other. I'm like, you know what? No, it no, doesn't. And it just looks so much cooler when you have the independent carb stacks and the filters and everything right on its own side there. And it's clean and it's easy yes, to access things exactly. and adjust things, which is really, really nice. You don't have to pull the airbox off. But the thing that sucks is that the rain hats that come with the PMO carburetors are hideous. So a rain it's hat like a, is basically like a cover on top of the filters. So rain doesn't get into them, right. essentially. They're functional. Uh, they are, but mine are, they're hideous, okay? So they mine basically look like a trash can lid that's got set on top of <laughs> on top of the carburetors. They come down about four inches. At, uh, I think it's the same as On mine. each side. Yeah, it probably is, but it's just explaining for people. So it goes on the top of the carburetor over the velocity stacks, which was over the, which and the filter. Let me start over. The filter has a base. You put the filter on it, yep. and then you put the the hat on top of it. And you can still see the filter. Yep. Like, you can see it, but not very much. Right. And it's just kind it's of this... Just, Everything is this like beautiful aluminum brass, and you've got this big monstrous black rain hat, and I don't like it. It's ugly. So we're going to talk to Alex at Airworks, okay. uh, Alex Nelson. We're going to work on a a rain hat that's not okay. And the problem is, is that you need to have even on these air filters or even on this rain hat, there's not a ton of room in between the top of the velocity stack and the rain hat. You want to. You want a significant amount of airspace. Yeah, you need around. the volume of air. Because a lot of people are like, oh, just put that little filter on the little like the little cap filter. We just oh, put yeah. it on the velocity stack, and then put the little rain hat tray on top, which is like this little thin tray yeah. that has little spindly legs that yeah, come down and attach. Those look cool when there's no filter on it because you can see the velocity stacks. Right. But you don't get the proper airspace around the velocity stack for it to work properly. It's shaped right. like a trumpet for a reason. Exactly. And if you put the filter on it, it messes up the entire concept of how that's going to work yep. and, this is, and i learned this when i had the um i had the dcoe's carburetors that stick out the front the side yeah, on your volkswagen and i had these foam itg itg filters that you just ram on the front yep, of them i know exactly what you mean. I'm like oh man the throttle response isn't it quite as good it just didn't seem right so i went and i bought a uh can't remember the name of the company but i bought an airbox 
for the carburetors. Sure. And people are like, why are you buying an airbox for your carburetors? It's, you're totally missing the point. It was an airbox with a big velocity stack on the end. Yep. So you still, and it was tapered. Okay. So it was big on the on the one side of the carburetors and tapered towards the back. Right. So that the air towards the back would probably increase velocity and get the same amount of air velocity into both sides of the carburetors. But you need that space. And when you put the filters right over it, it just basically staunches the carburetors out. They don't work. So we're so going to make some sort of high volume raised. Yeah, we're going to make something situation. raised. We're not sure exactly what we're going to do yet. Maybe we'll have like kind of like three little bumps on top of it where it's just black with three little, you know, raised portions of it. Because mm. I still want it to be slim because I don't want it to be what this big thing. What material is this going to be? Is this going to be some sort of a composite? Yeah, I'm going to leave that up to Alex. He can use a lot of different materials. I mean, okay. he's obviously there's ABS plastic, which isn't heat resistant or anything like that. But right. he's got all these materials that he can use that are, you know, will stand like 500 degrees and all this other stuff. So we'll have to see what he comes up with. I'm going to kind of leave that up to him. But uh, redoing the carburetors was cool because there's something really romantic to be able to see how everything works mechanically. Yeah. You open up a hood of a new car and it's like, oh, it's you can't really see anything that's you happening. You see wires, hoses. And wires, hoses, computers, plastic. blah, 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 yeah. blah. This, it's like, okay, I know exactly what this does. This Venturi, this jet, I can just turn knobs. It's 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 almost like your carburetor is as simple as your oven. You just <laughs> you just turn it on. I mean, it's just it's easy. Add yeah. fuel, add spark, boom, fire. It's, yeah, it's boom, just <laughs> fire. <laughs> this is basically what it is. You can see it, and it's this kind of this romantic thing about you know carburetors and uh, MFI is a little more complicated. But you've also got slide throttles, which are yeah. really 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 cool, and all these really really basic forms of induction really boils down the romance of the internal combustion engine to just this really simple form that uh, is really complex. If you think about how the oh, carburetors yeah, work, no, it is very complex. But also at the same time, it's basic because you can adjust and touch everything, right? which is really, which will lead to me probably having headaches down the road of why won't this thing oh, run? Oh yeah, no, I was going to say it's very romantic until it doesn't run right because you're at altitude or it's too cold out or you're I've running had, too rich. Or... I've had DCOEs on multiple occasions. I've never had runability problems. Yeah. I did the math. There's math for um, your displacement and you do the math for the jets based on the CFM that you think the, the displacement is going to pull right. in and those are the jets you run. And I've done that. I'm like, well, runs great. No problems. And I've just run it. Nice. You know, I've, I've bolted brand new carburetors up to a car, hooked up the fuel pump, put the proper jets in, and just run it and done nothing but sink the carburetors. I've done that multiple times. So as long as you do it right and use the proper tools and the proper math, it should work out. I think a lot of the times people make mistakes with carburetors. They go, oh, it doesn't run right. I'm like, oh, we're going to change this and change that. And, you know, we're going to adjust the idle. Oh, we probably should adjust the main jets too. You cannot do that. You change one thing at a time. <laughs> That's not what I did. You know, this is not what you did. You just started turning knobs and everything. You need, you need to go, okay, we're going to check this. Yeah. And if it doesn't change it, you put it back. And you start changing things one at a time till you start to get the result you want. And then you can, okay, well, that's that's what things are. Only, uh, what did you change? You just start like... Well I, well, I did everything. I did the uh, emulsion tubes, the main jets, and then I had to do the idle jets and the air corrector jets as well because of the larger Venturi's. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, you got to you you basically created a new baseline for yourself, right? Which yeah. is that makes sense. That's yeah. okay. What's been going on with you? I mean, so the, is the Hummer, Hummer gone? the Hummer's gone? for sale. It's not gone because Facebook Marketplace, Chris, is the worst. 
Nobody, first of all, no one reads anything, right? Right. They just see pictures, they see a price, and they hit the, is this still available button? Right. Which that is the worst thing they have ever done. Yeah, At least it- Craigslist, you have to type an email or you have to text someone. This, you literally get to hit a button and it annoys me. It's like the annoy me button for someone selling a car. It totally is. And the problem is that they're tr- what they're trying to do is they're trying to make it easy for people to get it's in touch with easy. each other. But it's, it's awful because people say, is it, they hit the, is it available button? And then they just disappear forever. I don't understand that or they don't read anything. I asked the guy that I got a bunch of that and I asked a bunch of people. I'm like, so are you just doing a survey of the, <laughs> the, 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 the availability of the used lawnmower market under $250? Are you, are you, so is what this I, like a census thing? Right, what are we what doing? What I have now is a piece of text that I copy and paste to everyone that just says, is it interested? And it says, yes. Also, I'm assuming you read the ad and realized that this needs an engine, hence the price. Oh, no, sorry, I didn't see that. Because you did like, not read. 90% of the people are like, oh, no. You know what another problem is, is I think you have to click read description, and then it, like, pops it out. Oh, you're right. You know right. what I mean? So you have to actually do another step really to read it. really dumb. The, yeah, it's kind of. So I do have, like, three guys that are, like, serious. The guy asks about, like, can I get a car trailer into where it is and stuff. I'm like, that's a good sign. You're asking the right questions. So that's good. Um, also, since the S3 is gone, I have an empty garage stall for the rest of the summer. So I'm probably going to bring the C10 over from my parents' place so I can put some time in with that. Why don't you just go over to your dad's house and work on it? What are you trying to do? It's just a barrier of working on it. You know, when you have to drive 25 minutes to go. So now your dad's going to have to drive 25 minutes No, he's been working on it for like the last how many months? Oh, it's your turn. And so now, right. So are you going to put, you showed me some pictures of some side drafts. Yeah. Are you going (laughs) to, are you guys going to put the side drafts on I really want to. Yeah. I wonder if you could, if, if. Mm, I wonder if it would actually run well on that because it's, it's supposed such a lo- to. Well, mm, well, it's a low combustion, really Com- kind of compression. Basic. You mean? I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, low combustion, low compression. <laughs> it's like the same thing. Low compression engine. No, with that setup, the like here's the thing: they make a ton of performance parts for these inline sixes. It was the same engine that was in the. They original. make a ton of performance parts for an eight valve GTI too, but that doesn't mean you should do it. <laughs> no, but the big thing is you can get up to a horsepower per inch on these engines very easily. Okay. Just carb setup and cams. So, like what? What are we talking? Well, for power, it, it's a two fifty inch, so two hundred fifty horse. <laughs> yeah, that's all it takes. Two hundred fifty inch cubic inches. Yeah. So you get two hundred fifty horsepower out of right. it. Right. That's the that's the math. Well, that's where a are you coming thing, up with that? Because that's what I just said. It said with cams and carburetors, you can get to like that's the magical and big like tuning circles is a horsepower per inch on oh, these that's big American yeah, I, That's something I hadn't yeah, heard of. Yeah, so you can get to the horsepower. horsepower. Exactly. All right. Well, that so, sounds pretty, that'd be that cool. sounds reasonable. Yeah. So the rear of the truck. Although I would have to say 250 horsepower is, I mean, that's. It's still not. I mean, we're not flexing. No, we're not, no, not at all. <laughs> but with like open individual throttle body trumpets, it'd sound very unique. Cool. Yeah, yeah, you'd be under load for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> so you can hear more of it. It's exactly. great. That's it. So we do have a little bit of news for you guys. Yep. Um BMW has really lost its way. This I time. know. This is, we've talked about the grills, which I mean, we can't do a news episode on the how every stupid time. the grills are every time they come up with a stupid one, but they are stupid. They've gotten and worse. just to reiterate for people, the reason that they're doing this grill thing, and we talked about in the, in the past. It's China. It's for the Chinese market. And the, the issue is that a lot of the Chinese people that are purchasing the cars, they don't have, they have a reference taste? point. No, here's what it is. It's they don't have a reference point for what they don't, they didn't grow up with these models, right? Mm-hmm. It's a new economy. Basically right. being able to buy a car is fairly new for the middle class. Right. And so they can't distinguish different cars. Like we have it kind of ingrained of us. We've grown up seeing different models and right. oh, BMWs look like this. And so you're saying nice. that all cars look the same to them? Yes. All co- <laughs> 
Yes, that is actually true. Okay. And so what these manufacturers are trying to do is distinguish visually their models more. Oh, so let's just make it ugly. That's great. They're just trying to basically I want my kid to stand out, so I'm just going to hit him in the face with a bat. That'll be great. <laughs> just break his nose, and he'll just he'll stand out for sure. That is the rationale. So have you seen it, the new 2 Series Active Tour? That's I have only out? heard about it or read about it. Do you know it? what it says in the dictionary when you look up, quote, Active Tourer? I do not. It just has a picture of a minivan. <laughs> because this is an actual minivan. It's not even a... Wow. It looks more like a minivan than it does a crossover, and... I just wanted to Front point out to drive? everybody. I don't know. I didn't even look. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It probably is. You know, it probably is. Um, BMW is making a minivan. And I thought the ultimate driving machine would never stoop so low <laughs> as to uh, make It'll a minivan. It'll be the ultimate minivan. Which is, I mean, we went last week or the week before, we were talking about a 1,200,000 horsepower M5, which is, I guess, okay. Half of it's electric, so it's half cool. And now we're making a, a minivan. Yeah, it's great. It's going to be, gonna it's be awesome. So I do have some good news to follow that up with. Okay. Right? So this will basically cleanse your palate of that <laughs> disgusting taste. So we know that companies have been pulling out of traditional auto shows left and right, right? Meanwhile, enthusiast events such as the Goodwood Festival Speed have been gaining popularity. There's I actually, really want to go. Right, I do too. Well, while this year's festival has been canceled due to COVID, the event has been transformed into basically a mini auto show of itself. And all of these companies are now doing their new model debuts at the festival speed. Yeah, they're trying to instead appropriate of like, the... Instead of like the LA Auto Show or something, they're doing yeah. it at these events. Someone was like, guys, we really got to get in on this. Someone at the marketing <laughs> department was like, look at all these people here. Yeah. We, look at every single person here is rich. Bob, <laughs> every single person at this event is rich. Anybody that flew in from America, they have a zillion dollars. Right. We need to get on the marketing right. on this. You know what we should do? What? We should uh, create our own event, perhaps. Yes, we should. So guess what, Chris? The idea will be replicated here in the States. The Detroit News reports the inaugural American Festival of Speed will happen in the fall of 2021. Is this going to be like a hill climb kind of thing, or what are we doing here? So Is this in Detroit? Yes. The okay, event so there's is no slated, hills in Detroit. No, it's slated so to play, take place at the M1 Concourse in Pontiac, Michigan, which is a private club track that features a one and a half mile championship motor speedway. So instead of Goodwood's hill climb, there'll be time runs. Well, that's fine. On the track. As long as there's yeah. some motorsport to it. I exactly. just didn't want it to be the, the American, Fe American Festival of Speed, and then it's just a bunch of cars parked <laughs> at, the, at the Ford factory. No, and so the organizer actually made it clear that the American Festival of Speed won't be a static show. Quote, we want to give the manufacturers a chance to do a demo day. If they want to bring out their Hellcats and their GT500s, have at it. That sounds great to me, as long as we have the original uh, GT40 also taking a run. Yeah. Because that's what really makes this stuff cool is that it's, the vintage it's a heritage event, exactly. right? It's, it's, it's showing off the, and that's why manufacturers want to be involved in it, right? They want to say, hey, this is our brand new thing, but, but guess this what? Is this is where from. it comes from. This is the roots. This is where it comes from. So I'm really looking forward to that. That'd be, that would be absolutely phenomenal. You know, that's why you see all these old vintage BMW minivans when they release their new BMW minivan. Hmm. Right? You know what's cool is that they <laughs> they dress up at the Goodwood Festival speed. Oh, yeah. But what are they going to wear at the American Festival? Because the British have like this very iconic style when you think of like the 60s Everyone and the has 70s. Everyone They have a hat and then they have like white overalls. You that can't not have a hat on. What are they going to wear in Detroit? What are, What's our... Is it uh, overalls or is everybody going to wear like yeah, overalls, overalls with some red wings? <laughs> yeah, that's... That'd it, work. Yeah, I think all that'd right. probably be all right. 
All right, so Ford has uh, <laughs> rescheduled the release of the Bronco Surprise. Right, because right? we talked about this last week. It coincided with O.J. Simpson's, Simpson's birthday. birthday. Um, via Twitter, Ford says, quote, the reveal of the all-new Bronco lineup will now happen on Monday, July 13th, instead of July 9th, O.J. Simpson's birthday. <laughs> we are sensitive and respectful to some concerns raised previously about the date, which was purely coincidental. <laughs> wink, 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 wink. Yeah, purely coincidental. You just imagine the marketing department. Okay, guys, we're going to release it. Don't tell anyone. No, this is all going to be kind of O.J. Simpson's birthday is July 9th. Oh, that'd be perfect. We can't do it on the date of the actual Bronco chase. That'd be a little it's, too on the nose, it's, yeah, right? it's too obvious. Let's do it on his birthday. People will freak out. They'll get 46,000 upvotes on Reddit. That's and right. And everybody will know oh, about the Bronco. Genius. And then, and then we can just deny it. We'll just deny it and yeah, say it. So we play this was, stupid. Totally intentionally unintentional, you think in so? my opinion. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I, July 9th, I'm excited to see it come out. I want to go see one at the dealership, see how they uh, went from a cool concept to a totally stupid road car. Can't wait it's to see. It's just going to be a Wrangler with a Ford badge. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. So, Chris, at this point, I really don't care about these coast-to-coast illegal cannonball records I'm anymore. Tired yeah. I'm kind of tired. Well, it's it almost like, like I just... Every few weeks, the record has been broken yet again, right? Well, bear with me. Because this record is just that nuts that I want to take notice. Okay, a few months ago, Fred Ashmore, 44 years old, of Hancock, Maine, rented a Mustang GT. The fastest car in the world is a rental car. <laughs> <laughs> he then removed the passenger seat and other interior accessories, strapped in an amount of extra fuel tanks to bump the car's capacity to over 130 gallons, and then proceeded to make the trip from the Red Bull garage in Manhattan all the way across the country to the Portofino Hotel and Marina in Redano Beach with only one stop for fuel. Here, honey, hold this soda can. <laughs> no, this is a solo record. Solo he was record. by himself. Well, he, how many Porta Johns did he bring with him? He used Gatorade bottles. No, Porta Johns. Have you ever seen a Porta John? He, well, I'm telling you, he said he used Gatorade bottles. <laughs> Quote, the Mustang GT will not go any can faster. Tell, can I tell a story about driving home? Fine. Super long. Yes, fine. It's kind of embarrassing. Okay, those are the best kind. Yeah, so I, I was driving my 911 when I first got it, when I first bought the car. Okay. I was leaving from my friend's, my buddy's house in Pennsylvania and driving it back to Milwaukee, which is, I think, 13, 14 That's hours. That's a stretch, It's for a stretch, sure. 13, 14 hours. And I left at like 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, oh, I'll stop in Ohio or I'll stop in Milwaukee or I'll stop with my family's. Or, no, no, I drove to Minneapolis. So that's even farther. I think it's like 16 hours. Jeez. Anyway, I was like, I'll stop at my family's house. Okay. And then I'll drive the last five hours home from there. I got to probably Portage or Baraboo or something like that. Yeah. I'm like, man, I really have to pee. I am so tired. I don't want to stop. I just want to keep going. <laughs> so I, I have like, well, I got this empty thing of Mountain Dew right here. Uh -huh. It's no big deal. Just take the cap off. Take Mr. Happy. That's not a big hole. It's not. So and then I, I'm like, it's not a big hole. I'm driving. So I've got my foot up on the dead pedal left side. Uh -huh. And I've got the, uh, the the idle control. Yep. So there's your cruise up. control. That's my cruise control. And I'm kind of like perched up like like this, kind of leaning forward off the seat. Mm -hmm. And I have both hands. And I take Mr. Happy. That's probably the most political way to say it on a, on a podcast that some kids might listen to. And I stick it on the top of the, the soda bottle. Uh -huh. And it's the most relieving thing you've ever, ever experienced in your life. But the only problem is... 
if you can guess what happened. There's back pressure. There was a lot of back pressure. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's great. So then I, <laughs> Mr. Happy is, was removed and I was drenched. <gasps> it exploded all over the car because I filled the thing up. So all I did is build up all this pressure and it was swoosh and it sprayed oh, all over so my disgusting. shirt, all over my face, oh my all over God. the headliner. Oh no, I'm never I'm riding in like, your car again. Oh, I, I pulled over and got oh. some glass cleaner wipes and I, so I avoided not you, pulling over to pee, but I did pull over to get some glass wipes to clean the car <laughs> I was going to say, you could have just it pulled was, over. It was so, but then I basically drove home the rest of the way in my underwear because everything else was covered in piss and got thrown in the, <laughs> got thrown in the garbage can. <laughs> at the rest stop, so that is my oh. that is my story of uh, is see, of peeing on the road. See, so now you this get, guy, you got to get yeah. He had the right idea Gatorade. with the wide mouth. Gatorade. Although some guys might have issue with that too. <laughs> you, never, you never know. Good for them. <laughs> All right. So uh, this guy says, "quote The Mustang GT will not go any faster than 159 miles per hour." Anyone who whoa, tells whoa, you, you otherwise is lying. Okay, so 159 <laughs> is factory. Yes, you can go. Yes. I mean, that's, Kudos to Ford for not having a limiter at 135. No kidding. So he ended up traversing the country in 25 hours, 55 minutes. Quote, when you look at a solo pursuit, that's not really a challenge many people have taken on, said Ed Bolian, whose 28-hour, 50-minute record stood until this guy broke it in November. That's so off the wall and superhuman, I find it a heck of a lot more interesting. Solo anything is really interesting because you're, you're basically self-reliant at that point. Yeah. You know, some of the long trips that I've done, the solo stuff is, you know, you kind of get, you get tired, you get worn out, you, you start to lose track of things. It's these long drives. Well, you just really... look at the opposite. When you have someone else there, not only are they there for moral support and to talk to you, but they can then take over. You can swap. You can, yeah, you can get back some, uh, some energy that way. So kudos to, to him for using a rental car, the world's fastest car. <laughs> All right. So Kia has revealed an interesting new hybrid manual transmission. What does this mean? Kia has revealed a new manual gearbox using electronic rather than mechanical linkage for its forthcoming mild hybrid models, which the firm claims offered improved fuel economy and greater driver engagement. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> using an electronic rather than mechanical linkage. So when I think mechanical linkage, I think, well, that is... A manual transmission. That is driver engagement. Uh-huh. Electronics, things are not necessarily... So this is just like paddle shifter DSG thing. Uh, well, the manual gearboxes are a real driver for Europe. So we wanted to look at how to electrify a manual transmission. Why? Don't Why? do that. Why? No. Chris, Why? Chris, here's this thing. Why? This thing right here. It's really good. Everyone in Europe likes we, it. We've this been thing. We have mastered the manual transmission at this point. <laughs> it has been a hundred plus years since the manual transmission was a crash box. Right. We have the manual transmission dialed down. It, yeah. it is down. We yeah. know how it works. We've got pedal. You can. It, I'm not even arguing that point. Just look at this from a business perspective. What they just said. They said, hey, we realize there's this thing, whatever this thing is, that's doing really well. People really want it. So what are we going to do? We're going to change it. All right. Here's why, though. Quote, when we look at the global picture, we see the real demand for manual gearboxes, and we saw a real benefit to being able to offer a manual transmission on a 48-volt electrified system. The system replaces the traditional mechanical linkage for the clutch with an electronic wired connection, with the system then integrated into a 48-volt powertrain system. It works with the mild hybrid starter generator to switch right. off the engine when coasting while keeping the chosen gear engaged. 
which Kia claims boosts fuel efficiency and reduces CO2 emissions by up to 3% in real world All conditions. All of this, they're ruining the manual trans for 3%. For 3%. They say it's it's really nice. It really helps stopping and starting. It's, it's great <laughs> because a clutch was just so bad. Well, that's just it. They could have still had a mild hybrid system with a regular Here, manual transmission. Here's what this comes down to. Honda did this years ago. The CRZ, remember that thing? Yeah. It was a hybrid with a manual trans. The it's CRZ still, had a lot of potential. It was a cool looking car. Yeah. It just didn't perform very well. It's it's really too I bad. Know. I really I'm But like, they had a full on hybrid, not just a mild hybrid, full hybrid, and they didn't see the need to not have a manual trans. I this you know, this is what I've always what I always complain about is Kia was in the boardroom going, okay. What can we screw can up? We, <laughs> <laughs> no, they were saying, all right, what can we do next? What's the progress here? What's the next evolution of fill in the blank? Uh-huh. And on Wednesday, it was manual transmission day. And I it went in there Wednesdays, with, Chris. Wednesday was manual transmission day. And uh, whoever, Mr. Winkler, came in with the powertrain boss, he said, all right, guys, what have you got with for me on the manual transmission? And nine out of 10 guys go, it's fine. Yeah. Oh, and one yeah. guy went, we can just make it electronic. <laughs> And then you it's just so what do we do? Do we just have like a, 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 a I don't know if I think it's the linkage for the shifter is still there is what I'm imagining. Right, but the there's only no thing clutch you have pedal? to control the clutch pedal's there, but it just activates an electronic solenoid and that travels through the ECU and the ECU disengages it when it thinks it's good to. That's not gonna feel good. Nope. That will not increase driver engagement. Not that at is all. gonna feel like a dead wooden pedal. Yes, exactly. All right, moving on. JD Power & Associates has just released their annual report of automobile manufacturer quality, Chris. Now, I didn't know really how this was calculated. The results use the metric of problems per 100 cars sold. PP100. Right. So Dodge and Kia tied, finishing first with 136 problems reported per 100 vehicles sold in the first 90 days of ownership. That's, it's amazing Which that- seems high. Well, Honda and Toyota are like 20 and 21st combined. Lexus was 12th. Volkswagen was 8th or 6th or something like that. Right. It's really, really weird. Like this huge sea change for reliability is in Detroit. What I don't understand though, that means that every single car sold had more than 1.3 problems reported. Right. So every car well, has it, at least one problem that's when you average I mean, it out. It's a, that seems it's surprising a, to me. No, it seems massively complex. I would think I would think there would be more problems than that. Really? Yeah, okay. it seems okay. For the industry average, it seems all right. Yeah, well, as with studies in prior years, premium automakers did not do great this year, which is partially attributed to premium cars simply having more complex right, features, right. right? They said, like, the Chevy Spark did best of any single vehicle. And you're going to tell me that Land Rover came in dead last Not again. this time, Chris! Land Rover always is dead last. Who's beat, who's, <laughs> who has beat out Land Rover for the least uh, initial quality vehicle? Tesla! did absolutely terribly in its first year ever being reported in this survey. Now, here's what happened. There are 15 states that require the automakers permission to survey their customers. And Tesla has never granted that permission to J.D. Power. Why do you need permission to do a survey? I don't know. There are 15 states that say that's the law, right? The other 35, though, they surveyed them. And so they have 1,200 respondents. And that was basically enough to project the national score. Quote, Tesla has some quality challenges, largely around the manufacture of the vehicle, predominantly the exterior, said Sargent. It's not because they build EVs. 
There are relatively few problems with the battery and the motor itself. It's largely around doors and paint and panels, more traditional areas that most automakers are largely solved, obviously because they're bigger. Tesla, right. on the other hand, is still working to solve that. Now, officially, J.D. Power was I saw not, that somewhere that their screens were dying like crazy, too. I could believe yeah. that. Yeah, so because they didn't get a full 50 um, state survey results, they're not officially There's able like an to rank right, them. Yeah, but they said that they got enough... Cars. They got enough. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Based on the survey of owners in the 35 states, the score was just dismal, Chris. Out of 100 cars delivered, owners reported 250 problems. It's 20 or 30 more than Land Rover. Yes. <laughs> per 100. <laughs> it just goes so to show nuts. how much people are willing to look the other way. Look the other way to support the, uh, I guess, the. the, the man. The, yeah. The, the, the it, Mr. Elon it's Musk. The idea. Of, the, the, the legend. Yeah. The future. <laughs> Mr. Future himself. Yeah. So it is interesting. This article basically went on to say, well, are people going to care about this? No, they're not. But it's a really good snapshot of where many are. Are you serious? Are. Because you see this... You see this stuff on commercials all the oh, time. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's JD like, Power, JD Power, JD Power, JD Power this, JD Power that, rating this, rating that. But unless you're a super nerd, a lot of people don't really care. Here's a question, though. When was the last time you saw a Tesla commercial on TV? Never. Never doesn't matter the people that exactly are buying, the people that are buying them don't care exactly. because they're just buying an idea they want to be part of something you always have held pretty strong to the fact that um cars are basically laundry machines and they no, don't matter i said for a lot of people i would almost Every, say the majority at I this would, point what percentage of what percentage of people that buy teslas are buying them because they want to be part of the movement and they want oh, yeah, to, they want sure. to signal they that want the best and most futuristic laundry machine for sure yeah yeah yeah, yeah they, that's they all that is <laughs> believe me um anyways it is a really good snapshot of where manufacturers build quality have come like you said it's kind of this flip-flop of what we think a reliable brand look at genesis for example just kicking the crap just out of everybody wiping the floor of every other premium automaker while land rover and jaguar are down at the bottom why why what is it is are they cursed i mean what they're is the problem british, with these Chris, things they're british not they, Hardly. I'm sure they still Hardly. use all Lucas electronics. <laughs> <laughs> so remember when we talked about how the Porsche 911 has gotten too expensive? Yeah, that's no surprise. Were you going to do something on that? I try was trying to do this big thing where you extrapolate the price of a brand new car every single year since its introduction, right? So you look at it from 1964 where it was, it's actually around, what was it, like $50,000 in today's dollars. And then you basically look at where that has gone over time. Right, but you have to also extrapolate the performance, as well, because if you look at a 1964 911 and you're like, no, driving but it's it around, then you, you have to look at that at what the economy was and then what other cars were compared to it. Yeah, but progress costs money. Progress isn't free. I mean, that I'm just I'm just saying that to get um, I agree with you. Progress is it's out of control. Like right. everything at the cars are just, just too much. Yeah, you, we don't need it. No, but the but that costs money to do it. Right. right? Every For single sure. year going from like a 996 to a 997 to a 991 to a 992 are these big leaps. I mean, less and less as we've gotten, you yeah. know, over the last 20 years, but that still costs a ton of money to re-engineer a completely different car every single time. The, the, my whole but, episode I was going to do became very expensive because of that, trying to factor in all these other things, but it was going to be interesting. We should still do it because you can compare it to other models that have been around since that time. So the 992 is more profitable, proportionally speaking, than any other vehicle that debuted in the past year. Because the price is so high. The model has accounted for nearly 30% of total Porsche AG earnings since it launched, even though it made up only uh, 11% of sales. Wow. According to a recent report by Bloomberg Intelligence. Quote, it is a very simple calculation 
The 911 is very profitable in its own form. And when you add the variation, the margins become intense. <laughs> Dean says, noting lucrative options such as ceramic brakes and turbocharging variants automakers use to increase base manufacturers' suggested retail prices without incurring much additional costs. Right. They're just Basically, bolting on something else they already designed. Yeah, the car's already done. They're just a little tweak on the compression here, a little add a turbo there, <laughs> maybe a little wider fender flare here. And all of a sudden, you've got fifteen, twenty thousand dollars ceramic brakes there. Yeah. Um, it also helps that the new model has a higher list price, ninety-seven thousand four hundred dollars, than does the already strongly profitable incumbent. So, ninety-seven thousand dollars for price. the for the crank window option. <laughs> yeah, that's not a thing. But yeah, <laughs> how great would that be though? Oh, you I could would get like it. a crank window option on a brand new nine eleven. Beyond that, quote. The additional the addition of the turbo variant is basically pure, pure profit. profit. <laughs> and the turbo is uh is like $197,000. So it is 100,000. Oh, I mean it's we're double. We're there's some uh vacillation here in the price, right? I mean it's this is an exact science, but even even if it was $75,000 in profit, it's just like holy shit on each one sold. Yeah. If you assume they sell 10,000 turbos anyway, plus GT3s and Turbo S's, just the turbo variants of the 911 alone could actually mean half a billion dollars in terms of profit for Porsche. Wow. So basically, they make 100 grand on a 911 turbo, which is, it's a premium thing, right? It is a premium thing. But it's it's kind of sad to see it go from uh, a car that, when you think of the old 911s back in the day, it's it was this car that was a little bit weird if you drove one, Oh, yeah, right? it was a little quirky and different. Yeah, you had to be unique to go to the dealer and buy a 911 in 1965, 1972, right. 1983, whatever. Except for the people that just did cocaine and bought them in the 80s. Most people, <laughs> you had to be like a, people were engineers or they were educated or they were- They knew what the car meant. They knew what the car meant. They they, they appreciated the engineering. Now it's become such a- It's a, just a status symbol. It's just kind of like a status symbol badge, which is- too bad because I like the engineering. I like the cars. I think they're cool, but there's no and more there's, than that. The pedigree of where it comes from. Yeah, exactly, and that that's valuable. Don't get me wrong. There right. is value in that. But you don't get to just double the price of a car. Maybe I'm just pissed it. off that I'll never be able to afford one. <laughs> there like you Ninety-seven thousand dollars yeah. is like so out of control. It's ridiculous. All right, so totally shifting gears here, Chris. Power boats are absolutely nuts. Right? Like right. Racing power Always. boats. Yeah. Just it, um, like crazy. They use massive twin turbo. You ever watch offshore racing yeah, videos? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Where they, they have just like nuts. twin big blots and some like 27, 30, 40 inch, like Apache or something like yes. that. Wow, wow. Yeah. So they. And there's some guy in the throttles. They're like, <laughs> so these guys, when they're when they're going, they stand. Yes. So they have these like little like ho like uh, horseshoes that they stand in. Exactly. It's, not, wow, it's like big these seats dudes with bolsters. And then they but have no throttle. Bottom. They got a, a wheel man and you got a throttle man because. Oh, the you, throttle man is different. You've got yeah, there's two different guys. I didn't realize. I thought one guy was just like navigator or something. No, you got a throttle man who just operates the throttles because every time you come out of the water, you got to pull the throttles back and you oh, blow the engines sweet. up basically. So you you want to you don't want to enter the water with the you leave the water at four thousand RPMs. You don't want to enter the water then at eight thousand no, RPMs on the motor. Yeah, okay, just not a good idea. So he pulls back. That's why you hear. Wah, 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 I had no wah. idea that's what was going yeah, on. Yeah, so you got the throttle man working the throttle so the boat doesn't go out of control when it comes back in the water again. Yeah, and then you've got the other guy, you know, steering or whatever. And these guys would hit these waves so hard back in the day that they would 
break their ankles. Yes. They would literally break their ankles. Because these guys, you look at these photos, they're like 30 feet up in the air in between swells. It's, it is incredible. Anyway. All right. Power boats are nuts. And like look you it said, up. Apache offshore racing, <laughs> Google, YouTube. Yes. Right And now. you talked about how they had these big, massive, big block engines. Yeah. Well, now today it's like twin turbo blown big blocks that make insane power. However, according to record holding boat racer Tyson Garvin, quote, we came to the limit of what a big block could do. We wanted to make more continuous power, not just power for drag racing. So with that goal being to pack as much power as possible into the space that it, usually a big block would go, Tyson got to work. What he came up with boggles the mind. A 5,000 horsepower. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. 5,000 <laughs> horsepower what? What? in the space of a single big block. 15.7 liter, 12 rotor Wankel engine. So essentially, Speechless. this is three banks of four rotors all in a single block. This has got to be like a Y. Gear driven, right? This yes. is all okay. Yeah, so you think of it as basically four. Or three four rotor engines bolted. It looks like Mickey Mouse. Like if you look at the front yeah, of Mickey, yeah, exactly. it's like the with the yep, ears. And exactly. the, it looks exactly like so that. So you have the top two banks that are connected by gears on the back of the engine block to the centralized lower bank, which is connected to the output shaft. Now, according to Gavin, the engine is designed to be flexible enough to use in pleasure boating at only around 1,400 horsepower, or it could be turbocharged with a pair of turbos to make just 2,400 horsepower, all on 87 octane fuel. <laughs> Jumping up to 50 pounds of boost, however, could result in over 5,000 horsepower. That's just, you know, that's just what I want to hear when I'm out on the lake enjoying myself is... <laughs> <laughs> It's going to sound like a oh, swarm of bees flying terrible. across. It's going to sound so bad. So for the record, this guy is just a guy basically designing it in his garage. He just has, it just happens to have like a, he, a, he like was a powerboat racer himself. And I think has like, I don't know. He has like a hot CNC machine in yep, his basement. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> That's what it seems like. <laughs> well, good for him. That thinks things sounds awesome. I never want to hear it. <laughs> All right. So Chris, more than 40 vehicles were stolen from the greater Toronto area and were found last week in shipping containers in Italy. Okay. Canada's Border Services Agency has flagged the export of a 2018 Audi Q7 as suspicious, a car that coincidentally was also under investigation by their financial crimes unit. This led to a number of other vehicles being discovered in the same shipment. Among the cars recovered were a BMW M6 convertible, a Mercedes AMG CLC 43, and an unspecified number of other luxury models. Authorities flagged the transport, investigated contact and law enforcement in Italy, where the shipping containers were carrying the vehicles and was on stopover. Police said their final destination was supposed to be Libya and Turkey. Uh-huh. 30 of the 40 cars stolen were seized directly in those Italian ports with a total approaching $2 million. Oh, man. This is literally like gone in 60 seconds. It is 100%. Just, in I real need, life. I need, how many cars did he have to steal? He had to steal 50 in one night. 50 cars. This 50 is 40. cars or, or your brother is dead. No, oh, that's very good Yugoslavian <laughs> accent. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, the choice of cars here seems yeah. a little bit lame. All right, we're gonna horrible. we're gonna end this episode on a funny. Uh, we'll call it a PSA, Chris. Yeah, public this. service <laughs> announcement. 
Uh, Canada's Woodstock Police Service recently posted a photo of a Porsche 968. Wait, yep. wait, Woodstock Police Service? Is oh, that yeah, like a... a Canadian Woodstock, I guess. Okay. Yeah. I'm guessing it's more along the lines of a place called Woodstock. That's what it... Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking the concert venue, Woodstock. Which was also, I thought, at a place called Woodstock. Right. It's not the same place. The, uh, Woodstock that did was not, not happen in Canada. Canada no, as far as no, I know. No. <laughs> All right. But this police service recently published a photo of a Porsche 968 that was busted for trying to haul a hot tub. I mean, it's got to be... Hot tubs aren't that heavy without water. What's the problem? <laughs> well, since it was obviously too large to fit in the back... Well, they, you know what you should have done? It's a hatchback. Yeah, just taking the whole glass take, panel off. Just taking the glass panel, put a tarp in there. Yeah, <laughs> get to town. Well, what he did instead is he jerry-rigged together a makeshift trailer. Now... I don't really even want to call it a trailer. What he did, it appears to be one of those two-wheeled hand trucks that you used to like, like the ones from the back of the U-Haul. They're exactly. like, hey, if you want to pay 15 more dollars to not hurt your back, you yes, can use this. Exactly. This. Okay. So he had one of those, which he then had several two-by-fours laid on top of and then basically just ratchet-strapped it to the back of the car. Can you imagine the bearings <laughs> in this thing? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Unsurprisingly, this raised a few the eyebrows. The only thing spinning more RPMs than that boat motor we talked about earlier. More <laughs> of these bearings on this. <laughs> so this uh, reportedly raised a few eyebrows, and people called the police. The unnamed fifty-year-old, fifty-four-year-old driver was ticketed for careless driving. I saw a picture of this. It looks ridiculous. I posted this on the Overcrest Instagram. It's it, it, it's, amazing. it's amazing. I didn't know the story until I saw the photo, and I had to look into it. It's just ridiculous looking. All right, guys, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We really, really appreciate that. I think we got to do a giveaway pretty soon. We, yes. We got to do that. We got to do a giveaway. I'm working for people on it, Chris. Even, uh, I'm working work. on it. You are. I'm working on it. Monday, we have an awesome interview. Yes, with Richard Kelly. He's the photographer and author, author of Waiting, which is this uh, great book. It's this, uh, he was a photographer. He was 19 years old and started wow. photographing Grand Prix, like wow. the Formula One Grand and Prix. And that was back in the heyday. In the heyday. He was there. He's, he's And he's going to tell us some stories about the photos. We're going to talk about his book. It's going to be great. That's coming on Monday, and we will see you guys then. Take care.